Hi, and thanks for listening to another audio podcast from Creekside Community Church, Narangba, Queensland. For more information and resources, please visit our website at www.creekside.org.au. Patan uh, Rockface was actually our worship leader, Dan, um, about five years ago. He just did a free solo climb. Um, at least when Dan first saw the video, he said, that's actually me. And I was like, really? Tell us about that experience, Dan. Um, we're actually going to do something this morning that is not quite as fearless as climbing El Capitan, like no ropes. Like that guy had no harness, no ropes. I don't know if you realize that. That's a pretty significant thing to do. We're going to do something this morning that is going to be a little bit fearful for two couples in the room. So I'm going to ask uh, Gemma and Mona if you guys would come up and Shane and Janine. They're going to compete in their own version of a fearless activity. You guys make your way up quickly so that uh, that way there's still plenty of time to be able to talk about what they're doing. Um, we're going to go ahead and have Shane sit on the stool and Mona take the stool. Janine and uh, Gemma, if you wouldn't mind standing behind them. If you guys could put your hands behind your back, Shane and, Je- and Mona. And then uh, we're going to go ahead and have the ladies put a bib on you guys. Yeah, just tie it like a bib. Yep. Both of you have had children, so... Or maybe you refer to your husbands as children sometimes as well. Who knows? And then what I need you to do, ladies, is uh, go ahead and put your arms through uh, their arms. Yeah, go ahead and put that on. And then, Gemma, if you go ahead and put that on. There you go. And then uh, if you'd put your arms through their arms. And then uh, we're going to go ahead and get... I got some delicious uh, baby food for you guys. Um, this, is, uh, this is like Sunday afternoon roast. It's pumpkin, potato, and beef. And so instead of, here you go, Janine, there's, and there's a spoon in it. Instead of waiting for Sunday afternoon, Gemma, oh, there you go, there's, that's the baby food. You'll use your other hand. There you go. And we're just going to give them, I'd say, probably 30 seconds. And, and really, here's how we're going to find out who the winner is. Um, we're going to find out by Mona or Shane whistling uh, when you have completely eaten the entire jar. Okay, so either one who whistles first uh, will be the winners. Okay, you ready? On your mark, get set, go. Go ahead. There we go. Yep, yep. Oh, yeah, doing well. Doing well. Oh, so close. So close. Yep, yep, yep. There you go. Hey? Oh, yes. That's just delicious. Yeah. Shane's doing well. We're so close to whistling, Shane. How's the whistle? <laughs> he's, he's struggling. Mona's just killing it. This side of the audience, you guys have got a great team. Yeah. Mona's killing it, yeah. Shane, how's that working out, mate? It's going well. Okay, I think we have a winner. Give it up for Mona and Gemma. You guys can go ahead and um, clean, clean yourselves up and make your way back to your seats. We'll get, we'll get rid of these stools here. You did really well, by the way, Gemma. And Shane and Janine, great job. Um, Shane and I work together during the week. Well, at least we used to uh, work together during the week. I'm not sure if I'll still be working with Shane during the week anymore. Hey, I know that that sounds, and and it looked like completely stupid, um, for somebody to be fed by somebody else as an adult. But here's the crazy thing. This is nuts. So oftentimes, people that start following Jesus, they'll start following Jesus And maybe for a year or so, somebody else will help them understand what the Bible's all about and 
kind of feed them spiritually for a year or two, and, um, and they'll grow in their relationship with Jesus, and they'll grow in their understanding of who Jesus is and what God wants for their lives. But, you know, it's sad, but it's true that many followers of Jesus will spend their entire lives never learning how to actually feed themselves. And so when other people look at them, it's kind of humorous, but it's kind of sad in a way that they spend their entire lives relying on somebody else. Maybe it's their church, or maybe it's a parent, or maybe it's a spouse, or maybe it's some Bible study leader to feed them spiritually, and yet they're a full-grown adult, and yet they'll go for years, maybe even decades, never really learning how to feed themselves spiritually. If you are brand new to this whole church thing, you have come on a great week um, here at Creekside, or if you're brand new to Creekside, you've never been to Creekside before, I think you picked one of the best weeks to come because we are starting a brand new series today called Fearless Faith. And we're going to be talking about this morning this idea of learning how to feed ourselves so that we don't grow as followers of Jesus for years and years, maybe even decades and decades without learning how to feed ourselves and relying on somebody else to spoon feed us. You each uh, received a spoon as you came in today. I want to make sure that if you didn't get one of these, if you want to just raise your hand really quickly, we've got a guy up the back that will make sure that we get one in your hand. Um, Because everybody needs one of these this morning. Important for you to have a spoon this morning. We're starting off this series, and the reason why this is such an important series of talks for us here at Creekside is because this series directly ties to our mission as a church. Um, If you've been coming to Creekside for any length of time, you know what our mission is, but to catch those up maybe that are here for the first time at Creekside on what our mission is as a church, it's really simple. We are people helping people discover Jesus and follow Him fearlessly. That's the simple thing that we are on about as a church. We don't think that we've discovered uh, or arrived at something, and so because of that, we feel like we're just a group of people that are helping other people discover Jesus like we have, and our hope is that as we do this together, we would begin to learn how to follow him fearlessly. I'm convinced that God uses five specific things to grow our fearless faith. In fact, that's what we're going to be talking about during this series is the five things that God uses to grow a fearless faith. So that fearless faith isn't this vague concept out there that we're trying to wrestle with and trying to understand. We're going to spend five weeks talking about what does a fearless faith look like and what are the things that God uses to grow a fearless faith. If you're not a person of faith or maybe you're just checking out Christianity, or maybe you're just trying out church, or maybe somebody promised you that if you'd come to church today, they'd take you out to lunch afterwards, and so that's your only reason for being here. That's totally okay. We're glad that you chose to be here this morning. But if you're here and you're kind of new to faith, or you're trying to discover what it looks like, I think this series is going to be really helpful for you to discovering what does a faith look like that actually is fearless. Jesus told his earliest followers in the first century, he said, in this world, you're going to have trouble. It's not going to be easy. And anybody that lived, has lived any length of time would know, yeah, that life is not easy. And oftentimes there are troubles, there are hardships, and there are things and circumstances in our life that require us to be fearless. Jesus told his disciples, those first followers, in this world, you will have trouble. 
And his end game for them was not that they would have some sort of soft faith that when things were going really well, they would continue to follow him. But he wanted them to have a fearless faith that would allow them to overcome whatever circumstance they faced in life. We're going to break it down over the next five weeks into these five key areas. We actually use the acronym FEARLESS to help us understand what are the five things that God uses to grow our faith. And today, we're going to tackle the first letter, the letter F. And the letter F in this uh, acronym FEARLESS is the letter that stands for feed yourself. So we can go ahead to the next slide there. It says feed yourself. That's what we believe as a church is the first step in learning how to have a fearless faith. But here's the problem. Here's the reason why oftentimes people struggle with this idea of feeding themselves. Many people that have been following Jesus for a long period of time struggle with this idea of learning how to feed themselves for a number of different valid reasons. And in fact, in my life, I have struggled learning how to feed myself spiritually for many of these reasons. And if we were sitting down over a cup of coffee one day or a cup of tea, you would probably say, Jason, I've never learned how to feed myself spiritually, or perhaps I'm not as good at feeding myself spiritually for one of these reasons. And I think one of the reasons that people struggle with this idea of feeding themselves is because it takes a lot of time to prepare and consume spiritual food. Like, it actually takes time. It's not just something you wake up in the morning and, like, throw your Bible into a microwave and it produces some spiritual food and all of a sudden you can consume it. It actually takes some time out of our schedules to prepare, to learn, to grow, and to consume spiritual food. And so because of that, oftentimes I've used this excuse for many, many years. I'm probably one of the worst in the room at this idea of feeding themselves. For many, many years, I would just say it's hard for me to find the time to feed myself. It's just hard for me to find the time to feed myself. No matter what it is in life that you're wanting to accomplish, no matter what it is that you're wanting to do in life, if you continue to use the excuse it's hard to find the time to do fill in the blank, you will never find the time to do that. I use the same excuse when it comes to going to the gym. It's hard for me to find the time to go to the gym. The reality is I can't ever find enough time to go to the gym. I have to make the time to go to the gym. I have to look at my calendar, I have to look at my schedule, and I have to decide ahead of time to make the time to go to the gym. I'm not gonna open my calendar one day or go into my computer and all of a sudden, popping off of my calendar is an extra hour in the day to go to the gym. It's just ridiculous to think that way, that if I wanted to go to the gym, all of a sudden I'm gonna find some extra hour in the day to be able to do that. The reality is all of us use excuses like this in different parts of our lives and we'll never find the time to do the things that we want to do and the same is true when it comes to things like spiritually feeding yourself. You don't find the time to do something that you really want to do. You have to make the time to do it. One of the excuses I've used when it comes to this idea of feeding myself spiritually over the years is I'll say to myself, well, I just have so much to do. And then I'll even, I'll over-spiritualize it and I'll say, well, not only do I have so much to do, I have so much to do for Jesus that I don't have time to actually feed myself spiritually. So I over-spiritualize it and I say, well, I, I wish I had more time or I, 
I'm trying hard to find the time to learn how to feed myself spiritually, but I've got so much to do. And on top of that, I've got so much to do for Jesus that I just can't find the time to be able to learn how to feed myself spiritually. If you're brand new to church, brand new to the Christian faith, today we're going to be talking about something that you might sit back and say, well, that doesn't have a lot to do with me because of where I'm at in my faith journey right now. I want to I want to invite you just to hang with us for a moment as we go through this journey this morning of learning how to feed yourself. Even if you would say, hey, I'm not quite there yet, Jason. I'm not a person of faith. I want to jo- invite you just to join with us on this journey and see what God might be able to teach you today, even if you're not quite there yet. Jesus, oftentimes, when he was talking with his followers, when he was talking with his disciples, he would, he would use stories to help them understand big concepts or to explain to them concepts that were oftentimes difficult to understand. They lived in an agricultural uh, society at that time, and so he oftentimes would use concepts and stories from agriculture that would help them to understand things that he wanted them to know and truths that he wanted them to understand. And so today we're going to be looking at a story that Jesus told using an agriculture illustration and a story that would help them to understand the truth that he wanted them to know. If he was living in 2019 in a more of a technology culture, Jesus might have used a different story. He might have talked about clouds where you store data, and then he might have talked about servers where you access that data and making sure that your computer is connected to the internet so that you can get to the source of that data. But in that society and in that culture, they lived in an agricultural society, and so he would use agriculture to help explain some of these truths. Jesus was talking with some of his followers, and it was right before he was about to go to the cross and be crucified, shortly before his death. And he was trying to explain to them an incredible truth that he wanted them to understand. And so he began telling them about agriculture, and he began to describe some people in the story and their different roles using agriculture. He started in this way. His best friend, John, records the story for us. He said, I am the vine. And my father is the gardener. So Jesus is saying, hey, I want to tell you this story. And I want to explain who the different people are in the story. And I want to explain to you what their roles are. And so he says, I, Jesus, I'm a vine. And then my father, God, he is the gardener. He takes care of the vineyard. He takes care of the vine. He's the one in control of everything. I'm just the vine, but my father is actually the one who's in charge of the gardener, and he's the gardener. So I take all of my cues, I take all of my direction, I take everything that I'm supposed to accomplish in this world, I take all of that direction from my father because he's the gardener and I'm just the vine. Then he goes on to say, and you are the branches. You are the branches, talking to his followers that were sitting around listening to this story. So we've got three characters in the story that Jesus is telling us so far. We've got the gardener, that's God, the father, he's in charge of the whole thing. Then we've got Jesus, who's the vine. And then he says, and you who are following me, you're like the branches that are connected to the vine. In fact, Jesus said it this way. He says, if you remain in me and I in you, if you stay connected to me, and if I stay connected to you, He's going to give them a promise. It's, it's like an if-then statement. Maybe you're familiar with an if-then statement. If this happens, then this will happen. And that's what Jesus is about to explain. He says, if you remain in me 
and I in you, then, he says, you will bear much fruit. So Jesus is using this agriculture scenario that everyone in the crowd would have completely understood because that was the society that they lived in. Kind of like if we explained, hopefully most of us in the room would understand, if I'm connected, my computer is connected to the internet, then that's connected to a server somewhere which has a bunch of data that's connected to it on the cloud. And some of you are already saying, Jason, that's the worst kind of illustration because I have no idea what you're talking about. Unlike that, everyone in the crowd would have known exactly what Jesus was talking about. God is the gardener. My father is the gardener. I'm the vine. And you guys are the branches. If you stay connected to me, the vine, then you're going to bear much fruit. And he wasn't talking about fruit like grapes and apples and oranges and lemons and things like that. He was talking about the good things that you want to have happen in your life, the good things that you want to exemplify in your life are going to come out of your life if you stay connected to me. Because remember, again, you're the branch, I'm the vine, and my father is the gardener. And then Jesus uses another if-then statement. If you remain in me, you'll bear much fruit. He says, but if you don't remain in me, if you do not remain in me, if you do not stay connected, listen to what happens then. Jesus says, then you are like a branch that is thrown away and it withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and they're burned. In other words, if you don't stay connected, if you don't learn how to feed yourself Spiritually, if you don't learn how to stay connected and not rely on somebody else to be the vine so that you can connect to Jesus or be a branch so that you can connect to Jesus, if you don't learn how to be a branch that's connected to the vine, if you don't learn how to lead yourself and to feed yourself spiritually, then essentially what Jesus is saying is you're useless. You're not of any value in the garden. You're not going to produce the fruit that a branch that's connected to the vine is going to produce. In fact, here's what takes place is you get cut off of the vine. You wither, you die, and eventually you just get burned up because you're of no use in the garden. So the question that comes to my mind when I listen to Jesus talking about this idea of the father being the gardener and he's the vine and I'm the branch and I need to remain in him I need to stay connected to him, then the question that comes to my mind is a simple question. What does remaining look like? Jesus keeps talking about this idea of remaining in him, remaining in the vine, and he remaining in us. What does remaining even look like? The good news is that Jesus, while he was alive on this earth, he actually many times gave examples of what remaining looks like. See, remember the story. Jesus said that his father was the gardener. He was the gardener in charge of all things. And that Jesus was the vine. And then we are the branches. And so we are to stay and remain in Jesus. And Jesus, during his lifetime, actually gave us examples of what he did to remain connected to the gardener. All throughout Jesus' life, He did things over and over again that were examples to us that are branches, that are followers of Jesus, to answer the question for us, what does it look like to remain in Jesus? 
Jesus actually gave us the example when he practiced remaining connected to the gardener, his heavenly father. All throughout his ministry, didn't matter how busy he was, didn't matter how much he had to do that day for the father, for the gardener. It didn't matter what time he got up or what time he went to bed. Jesus stayed connected. He remained with the father. We see many examples of this. If you read through the different accounts of Jesus' life, there are four different biographies of Jesus' life that were written. Many, Luke tells us that many people tried to write an account of everything that Jesus did. Many people took a shot at it. There were a lot of copies of Jesus' life out there. Many people trying to write a biography of what Jesus did while he was here on this earth. Luke tells us, though, that although many things, many people tried to write about him, we just have four accounts of Jesus' life. Whether you look at Matthew's account or Mark's account or Luke or John's account, you'll see all four of them showing examples for us of how Jesus remained connected to his father. In fact, one of the accounts we're going to take a look at this morning, this first one, is from Luke. Luke said this about Jesus. He said, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. In the midst of all the busyness of what Jesus was doing, Jesus understood that if he didn't stay connected to the Father, if he didn't stay connected to the gardener, he wouldn't be able to produce the fruit that the gardener wanted him to produce. Luke writes for us and reminds us that even Jesus himself understood this important truth of feeding himself. In order for him to accomplish what the Father wanted him to do, he had to withdraw, oftentimes, to a lonely place where it was quiet and he could be still and stay connected to his Father. John, who we've been looking at, also reminded us of that. But Luke gives us another example. Luke says this in the other example. Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives and his disciples followed him. The Mount of Olives was a place that Jesus would actually frequent quite often. Luke writes about it and he says it in this way, that Jesus, as usual, almost like, yeah, it was like every day, Jesus would go up to the Mount of Olives as usual and spend time there praying and staying connected to his father. Mark gives us an account of this as well. Mark says it in his account of Jesus' life. He says, speaking of Jesus, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. See, Jesus was trying to tell his followers this story of the gardener being the father and he was the vine And those that are followers of Jesus are connected to the vine. We're branches and we need to remain in him and he needs to remain in us. But Jesus didn't just tell the story. Jesus actually walked the talk. He did what he was talking about. He stayed connected to the father because he knew what he was saying to these followers of his in the first century was going to be the very thing that would allow them to see much fruit come to bear in their lives. And without being connected they wouldn't be able to see the changes they wanted to see in their life. But Jesus also knew, I'm convinced, that if he didn't stay connected to the Father, he wouldn't be able to accomplish what the Father wanted him to do either. So as followers of Jesus, it's kind of crazy to think about going maybe a year or two years or even a decade or two decades, never actually learning what does it look like to stay connected 
to remain in Jesus and have Jesus remain in him. Jesus gives us an incredible example. In fact, the way I like to describe it is this, that Jesus made a habit of spending time with his father. It wasn't something he did occasionally. It wasn't something that he did when he thought about it or when things weren't going well. But he actually made it a habit to spend time with the gardener. On a regular basis, he would oftentimes withdraw. As usual, he would go up to the Mount of Olives. He would go off to a quiet, solitary place and spend time with his father. That was a habit that Jesus made in his life. And if you and I want to remain in Jesus, we have to make a habit of spending time with Jesus. We can't just say, well, you know what? My habit, Jason, is to come once a week to church on a Sunday, and that's how I stay connected. I think all of us would say, you know, throughout the week, there are many times that we feel disconnected from our Heavenly Father because perhaps we haven't been to church or been around somebody else that follows Jesus, and so we feel a little bit disconnected. Once a week is probably not going to sustain us if we want to stay connected to Jesus and remain in Him. So we have to learn, how do we make a habit of spending time with Jesus. Well, the way that I make habits, I don't know how you make habits, but the first thing I have to do is this. I have to make time for it. I joked around before that I oftentimes use the excuse in my life, not just when it comes to following Jesus, but going to the gym and in other areas of my life to say, well, it's really hard for me to find the time to do that. The reality is, like any habit in our lives, we have to make time for it. We're not going to have an extra hour jump out of our calendar and say, hey, look, here's a spot in the day to be able to do this. We have to make time to be able to do that. The second thing that I've found to be helpful when I'm making a habit in my life is this, to link it to something that I already love. For me, I love going for walks outside. And so I've made it a habit that when I go for a walk outside, that's a time when I connect with Jesus. I love drinking a great cup of English breakfast tea. Are there any other tea drinkers in the room? Anybody else that just loves tea? Look at all these people. How many people are coffee drinkers? Raise your hand if you just love coffee. Wow. I don't know what you love, but I love a great cup of English breakfast tea. And so what I've chosen to do to help make this as a habit in my life is to connect this time with Jesus, spending time with him to something that I love. And so I make myself a cup of tea in the morning and throughout the day I'll try to do that multiple times. While I'm doing that, I use that time to connect with Jesus. Something that I love to do, I wanna share that with Jesus. And then like any other habit in your life, I think the trick to creating a habit at the end of the day is to stay with it, to stick with it. Not just to try it for a day or two or a week, but to actually try to stick it out. I want to share with you a simple, yet I think effective way to maybe structure a little bit of time around this idea of staying connected with Jesus. For some of you, you might wake up early in the morning. I love to wake up early in the morning. My kids say I'm I'm an old man because I go to bed by nine o'clock every day. But I love getting up early in the morning. I'm an old man, like to get up early, like to go to bed early. And some some of you might say, well, I like to stay up late, Jason, or I I enjoy trying to connect to Jesus throughout the day. I want to give you just a simple structure that might be helpful 
as you embark on or think about this idea of staying connected to Jesus. I use a simple acronym when I'm reading through the Bible and when I'm staying connected with Jesus throughout the day, and it's an acronym that goes along with the word SOAP. Some of you maybe have heard of this before. I spend a little bit of time in Scripture. My favorite app to read the Bible in is called the Scripture app. And if you've got a phone and you like to read the Bible on your phone, I think it's a fantastic app. It's free. You can go and download it. has some great Bible reading plans, has some great videos that connect with what you're reading that day and helps to explain that portion of the scripture that you're reading. It's a great tool, and I love using it. But there are plenty of tools out there. The Bible app is another great one. YouVersion is another great one. So I love starting my time connecting with Jesus by spending a little bit of time just reading over some scripture. The next letter is the letter O. stands for observation. I simply ask myself this question as I'm reading through whatever it is that I'm reading. What does it mean? What is this author, what is this writer, whether it's John or Mark or Luke or David or some other person, Solomon, what are, what are they trying to say? What does it mean what they're writing about? And then I ask this simple question for application. I say, so what will I do about it? Now that I understand what this writer is trying to say and what it means, I just ask this simple question. What difference does it make in my life? What change or what thing is it that I need to do from what I've just read. And then I simply just finish up my time by spending a little bit of time in prayer because most of the time I realize as I answer the question, what will I do about it? I recognize that I can't do it without him. Almost every time when I read something and I ask the question, what does it mean? And then I discover what I need to do about it. Immediately I think to myself, well, I, I can't do that on my own. And so I spend a little bit of time just praying and asking God, God, would you help me? Because without you, there's no way that I'm going to accomplish what you want me to do. It goes back to the analogy that Jesus gave. Father is the gardener. Jesus was the vine. And we're the branches. And the reality is, whatever it is that I'm reading, I recognize that unless I'm connected to Jesus, there's no chance I'll be able to bear that fruit in my life. There's no chance I'll be able to apply that thing that I've learned to my life. So I want to give you a challenge this week. I want you to take out this spoon that has the number five on it that each of you, each of you should have received as you came in today. And here's what I want you to do with this spoon. I want to invite you to take a challenge with the spoon this week. It's a simple challenge. I don't think it's a difficult one. In fact, even if you're brand new to the whole church experience and you'd say, you know what, Jason, I'm, I'm not quite a follower of Jesus yet. I'm still kind of checking things out, still got some questions. I still think this challenge might be helpful for you this week. Here's my challenge for you. It's called the Take Five Challenge. I want to invite you to take this spoon, place it somewhere this week where you'll see it regularly. For me, that's probably in the refrigerator, okay? because I go there regularly. Jesus often went to solitary places. Jason often went to the fridge. That's what Luke would have written about me. Maybe place it somewhere in your bathroom or somewhere else in your car and let it remind you of this idea of learning to feed yourself, learning how to feed yourself. Let it be a reminder to you this week. And I want to challenge you to take this simple challenge of spending just five minutes 
each day over a five-day period connecting with Jesus. Maybe you'll use that SOAP idea that I just shared with you. Maybe you'll just read a little bit on your scripture app on your phone, or maybe you'll spend some time just in a quiet place like Jesus would have, just praying and talking to your heavenly father. You say, well, wait a second, Jason. I don't even believe in God yet. I'm not even sure there is a God. You keep talking about this heavenly father, and I'm, I'm not even sure there is a heavenly father. Here's what I challenge you to do this week, if that's the case for you. Take, the five, take this five minutes a day, five-day challenge, and just simply spend those five minutes saying, God, if you're real, if you're out there, would you reveal yourself to me? I'm not sure you even exist, but if you're out there, God, and you're real, I'm going to ask you for five days straight, for just five minutes a day, to reveal yourself to me. If you've been following Jesus for a long period of time, you might say, well, Jason, I already have a practice in my life. This is kind of like, uh, you know, yellow belt level. I, I spend more than five minutes a day. Well, I want to give you a different challenge. I want to challenge you to do something that maybe is like ninja level for you. Simply take five minutes, five times per day, over the next five days to connect with Jesus. Just pause maybe five times throughout the day. Maybe you start in the morning, maybe around morning tea, lunchtime, afternoon tea, before you go to bed. And just spend time connecting with Jesus throughout the day. Jesus, he told his followers when he was sharing this story about the vine and the branches, the reason why this is so important. He gave them the reason why. It's so key for us to understand and to learn this truth. I skipped over it as I was reading the verses through the story. But right in the middle of the story, Jesus said these words. He said, apart from me, you can do nothing. My excuse for so long has been, I'm so busy. I've got so much to do. And then I would even add to the phrase, I've got so much to do for Jesus I don't have time to spend time with Jesus. I don't have time to learn how to feed myself because I've got so much to do for Jesus. And yet Jesus says to his followers in that first century gathering, he says, guys, I don't think you you understand. Apart from me, disconnected to me, you can't accomplish anything. Apart from me, you can't do anything. If you're not connected to me, if I'm not connected to the garden of the father, and if you're not connected to me, we can't accomplish the thing that our father, our heavenly father wants us to do. The way I like to say it is this, that unless, unless, uh, sorry, you can't do anything for Jesus unless you spend time with Jesus. Oftentimes I'll say to myself, unless I spend some time with Jesus today, it's going to be impossible for me to do anything for Jesus. Maybe that's been your story. Like me, you've had so much to do, perhaps even so much to do for Jesus, that you've run out of time of just being with Jesus. Maybe you're thinking to yourself after hearing this, and I would think this too if I was sitting in your shoes, if I was sitting in your seat or here this morning, I might think to myself, well, wait a second, Jason, aren't you just giving us another thing to do? (laughs) Aren't you just adding to our to-do list? You just added five 
days worth of to-dos. You just gave us this challenge to take five every day for the next five days and spend it with Jesus. Here's what I want you to hear this morning. Especially if you're brand new to this whole church thing, this whole Christianity thing. I hope you walk out today and maybe this is the only thing you remember. But for every single one of us in the room, I hope you walk out today understanding this truth that Jesus, he actually wants to spend time with you. That's how much he loves you. That's how much your heavenly father loves you. He's not looking for you to add more to your plate and put together more things on your to-do list. That's not the point of what Jesus was saying to his followers. Jesus actually wants to spend time with you and he wants to spend time with me. Can you imagine that for a moment? Just think for a moment. The God of the universe, the gardener, the one who controls this whole thing, wants to spend time with you and wants to spend time with me. Isn't that an incredible thought? That's how much God loves us. He wants to actually spend time with us. And he wants us to develop a faith that can can overcome whatever circumstance we face in our lives. He wants us to eventually develop a fearless faith. And I'm convinced that a fearless faith, it actually begins with learning how to feed yourself. Before you start doing anything for God, before you start doing anything for Jesus and showing how fearless you are, it begins by actually spending time with Jesus. So this morning, as we wrap up our time together, I believe Jesus would say this to us this morning. If he was here, I think he would say it simply this way. He'd say that being with Jesus is actually greater than what we do for Jesus. And when we spend time being with him, all of the things that he wants us to do for him will flow out of that time that we spend being with him. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this incredible reminder that you gave those first followers of yours. That although they had big dreams and big things that they wanted to accomplish, they understood at the end of the day that the most important thing that they could do was to just spend time being with you. God, as followers in 2019, we so want to Do it the way that you would want us to do it. And so, God, would you help us this morning to remember, to be reminded of the fact that being with you is far greater than anything that we can do for you. And that from our time of being with you, of feeding ourselves, flowing out of that will be what we do for you. And we pray all of this in your son's precious name, in the name of Jesus. Amen.